the increase of people wanting multi-generational homes is through the roof. I think it's been a trend that's always been somewhat popular, but throughout the pandemic, people have been really just sort of evaluating who is in their bubble. Welcome to Post City Magazine's 14th Annual Real Estate Roundtable. This event was recorded virtually in conjunction with the Centre for Real Estate and Urban Economics at the Rotman School of Business Management, University of Toronto. The Remax Collection and Great Golf are presenting sponsors for this event. This year's event is moderated by Post City Magazine's Managing Editor Nikki Gill and Editorial Director Ron Johnson. Hello and welcome to the virtual edition of the Post City Magazine's Real Estate Roundtable. I'm Nikki Gill, Managing Editor at Post City, and I will be co-moderating today's event with Ron. This marks our 14th roundtable, and each and every year, this event gets bigger and better. Over 700 people registered for this year's event, making it the largest in our history. We are honored to be co-hosting the event with the Center for Real Estate and Urban Economics at the Rotman School of Management. Now, without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to our panel. We have Barry Cohen, the number one REMAX salesperson in Canada, Odine Eccleston, co-founder of Wiltshire Homes Canada and co-host of HDTV Canada's Hot Market, Josh Flagg, original cast member of Million Dollar Listing LA, Brian Gluckstein, principal of Gluckstein Design, Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Michael Callis, president of Harvey Callis Real Estate, Jennifer Kiesmat, former chief planner of the City of Toronto, CEO of the Kiesmat Group and partner at Marquee Developments. Brad Lamb, president of Lamb Development. Sangeeta Patel, HGTV Canada host and ET Canada entertainment reporter. Michelle Romano of CBC's Dragon's Den and co-founder and president of ClearBank. William Strange, the Smart Centers professor of real estate and director of the Center for Real Estate and Urban Economics at Rotman and Benjamin Tall, Deputy Chief Economist at CIBC Capital Markets. As it has been for the past 14 years, what follows is an unscripted and unrehearsed discussion involving 12 leading real estate experts on the Toronto real estate market. Now we'll get started and head over to Ron with our first question. Okay, as we traditionally do each year, we will kick things off with a state of the market update from CIBC Deputy Chief Economist, Benjamin Tall. Over to you, Benjamin. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, listen, I'm trying to remember what we discussed uh, last year in this event, and I really cannot remember. The only thing <laughs> I remember saying is that we have no clue what's happening. This was just before uh, COVID started. So clearly, we had no clue what we were talking about back then. At the same time, if you ask me a year ago, given COVID and given all this craziness, housing market will be on more than a V-shaped recovery, I will say, I'm not so sure. And that's exactly what happened. So the question is why? Why the housing market is so strong? And the first after answer, of course, is interest rates are so low. Yes, but interest rates were also low in other situations. Like in 2008, from a qualification perspective, interest rates today are actually higher than they were in 2008 because now we have B20s. As you all know, you have to qualify at what? 479 for variable and a fixed term. That was actually less in 2008 in terms of qualifications. So there's something more than that. And this something is the abnormality of this recession. This is the most asymmetrical recession in Canadian history. All jobs lost, all, not some, all job lost were in low paying occupations. In fact, high paying occupations, I've seen their number 
rising by 350,000 during this crisis. This is the most abnormal recession ever in this sense. Two implications. Most of the people that lost their jobs are young and renters. They are not home buyers. So their impact on the housing market was secondary. It was vis-a-vis -vis the rental market. Second, and even more important, a huge segment of households were not touched by this crisis financially. Their job was there. Their income was there. In fact, it was rising. And interest rates are in the basement. That's the opportunity that they were looking for. And then you had this shift towards detached houses because of the need for space. You need your office. So I believe that about 30 to 35% of home price inflation in Toronto was just due to the compositional factor, namely more activity happening in the more expensive segment of the market, namely detached. That's basically what we have seen so far. Very abnormal. We have never seen it in any other recession. And if you wish, that's the secret behind the success of the housing market. Not only low interest rates, but a huge segment of the population that was untouched financially by the crisis and were able to take advantage of low interest rates and pass the stress test. That's the story. And within that, of course, you have people moving outside the city, and we can discuss it later. Okay, great. And uh, feel free, anyone, to comment. I saw Professor Strange, you were nodding your head there. Do you agree with uh, Mr. Tal's assessment? Yeah, I, ag I agree. And he has stolen most of my notes for pointing out that this is an incredibly heterogeneous economic shock. The only small qualification that I would offer is that the people who have not been hit so far, which is probably most of the people on the panel, we're going to be paying some pretty big taxes in future years to cover all of the stuff that the government has been doing. So there may come a point where we feel like we have been touched. I, I, I personally don't think that's grossly unfair, but that is something that would affect a lot of economic decisions. So let's discuss it for a second, because I think it's important. There are two things happening here. One is the government is spending like there's no tomorrow. Totally agree with you. And without even noticing, without even paying attention, we are putting together the infrastructure, the plumbing for tomorrow's social assistance program. We are talking about a situation in which uh, we are talking about a universal daycare system. That will cost money. We're talking about some elements of uh, basic income. That will cost money. We're talking about making the EI system permanent. That will cost money. So all of us will be paying more taxes. It will start with capital gain taxes and probably even higher HST. I don't know. That will not happen today, not even tomorrow, not even two years from now, but eventually it will happen when we are removed from the crisis. One thing. Second, and that's the Bank of Canada. The Bank of Canada is printing money in order to allow the government to spend. Now, if you are under 30 years old, you're probably not familiar with this word, but there is a word in the English language. It's called inflation. Now, it was missing in action over the past few decades, and all of a sudden, we are relearning how to spell inflation. That's very, very important because inflation will be the number one factor impacting the housing market. And the big discussion now in the market is to what extent inflation will rise with the Bank of Canada printing money. If we have time, I promise we can discuss it, but I'm just resting it. I don't think that inflation will be a major issue, and I can tell you why later in the discussion. But I think that that's something that we have to clearly think about. One of the reasons why the long end of the curve in the U.S., I mean, long-term interest rates in the U.S. are rising now and at about 1.5% and the market is getting nervous is because of those inflation expectations. So at least we have to discuss it 
and we'll do it maybe through the course of this discussion. Okay, and we'll go to Michael Callis next. Thank you, Benjamin. I remember one thing from last year is that there's only one question at the very end of the entire panel event that spoke about COVID, and now we know that it's everywhere and affecting every decision that all of us make at all times. Uh, one thing I'd like to say just before we start is uh, something that I wish it was my thought, but it came to me from a friend, and they said that people keep talking about how we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Actually, we're all in the same storm in different boats. And fortunately for all of us on the panel, our industry continues uh, unabated when so many others are absolutely getting decimated. So I think what's important about the real estate market is that it's right across the country. You know, uh, I just looked, it's the smallest amount of active listings across Canada in the history of statistics being kept 21 years, less than 100,000. There's two months supply across Canada. And in Toronto, we have 33 days worth of supply. So that means that if nothing new comes on the market, there'll be nothing for sale in 33 days. So, so much is happening uh, around us. We can talk a lot about it, but one thing that's important is to know that we're 50,000 people fewer today than we were 12 months ago. So the situation is real. People are moving out of the city, but I'd like to say that condo sales in January were up 85%. So don't count the city of Toronto condos out and I'll pass. All right, we're gonna move on to our next question. We know detached and semi-detached homes are flying off the shelves with bidding wars and bully offers, and the luxury segment is leading the way. Barry, you have boots on the ground. What are you seeing out there, and how does it compare to previous years? So it's it's not just semi-detached. It's pretty much anything under $2.5 million is, is in multiple offers, sometimes as much as 15 offers, but commonly three offers. It's, it's really uh, an accelerated market, uh, spring market, brought on by COVID. If you remember last year before the uh, COVID of, of March, when we were first introduced to it for the lockdown, we were in a pretty hot market then, and then we came to a dead stop. And then there was an adjustment period because supply was constrained and real estate just went off the rails. So you now have arrived to this year, the spring market's off with a strong start. It's two to three times greater than last year, same time. It's uh, up about uh, 20% greater than the peak of 2017. In fact, real estate prices are up 15% over the same time last year. So it had the year to you know, accelerate, but when you compare January to January, it's up 15%, pretty, pretty serious. Condo sales lagged through 2020 as people were adjusting to COVID in tight spaces, but they roared back in January, I think, as Michael just said. Uh, and prices were only, after all that correction last year, only down 5%. Luxury is on fire. Uh, I'm looking at the activity, you know, uh, two times greater, over $3 million, uh, two and a half times greater, over $5 million price range. Over $10 million, it's 400% greater. And I think we'll talk more about this mentality shift that's going on with um, consumers as well as sellers, but I think I'll leave that for your next question. All right, Tim? Yeah, thanks. At the Ontario Real Estate Association, we represent the 80,000 realtors in Ontario. Nikki, we did uh, polling of consumer attitudes and no surprise, right? There's the old adage, there's no place like home. And that has really been ingrained in people's they've gone through COVID. So we've been cooped up for 11 months. We all know what we like and what we hate about our homes. And we have seen a palpable shift in people really in, in three directions. Number one uh, is they are looking for more space. There's no doubt about that. Uh, whether that's a home office, whether that's to move grandma in, there's a big shift across the board, but particularly younger people for more space. Uh, number two, 
they're looking for uh, an ability to have uh, an office uh, in their home, some more space within the home as well as outside. And third, an, an increased interest uh, in areas outside of the major cities, although that's really at the margins. One of my main messages will be that the death of Toronto uh, real estate has been greatly exaggerated by those that say it'll be emptied out. That's not the case, but it has accelerated uh, some trends. And this has been enabled by low mortgage rates, as Benjamin said, for the COVID halves, as he indicated. Uh, they have a bit more spending because there's savings to make do. But I'm sure as Barry's going to talk about as well, we don't have as much on the supply side. But major reinforcement because of COVID and work from home and investing in property. And it's been a place of safety and security and a place to be with your family throughout COVID. And that's helping drive the sentimentality be behind all this too. Okay. And Odine, you have some experience in, in those areas that are outside of the Toronto core. What are you seeing? Just to echo Tim's statement, the increase of people wanting multi-generational homes is through the roof. I think it's been a trend that's always been somewhat popular, but throughout the pandemic, people have been really just sort of evaluating who is in their bubble since they've been restrained to only being right seeing family and friends or family only within their bubble so we're seeing mom and dad and even like grown teenagers all put their resources together and get larger homes with more land and more space in the suburbs and even really beyond the Toronto suburbs our firm has seen a huge increase as far as Bowmanville Kingston Ontario and then of course Oshawa has seen record numbers as the 50,000 people moved out of the downtown car, a lot of them did go to places like Durham region. Thank you for listening to part one of Post City Magazine's Real Estate Roundtable, brought to you by Remax Collection and Great Golf. To hear the panel discuss the urban condominium real estate market, please download part two.